Yo, what's up? Dr. Swole here, MD bodybuilder, back with another episode on Swole Radio. Today I'm joined again by Alberto Nunez, who is a world-renowned natural bodybuilder and co-founder of 3DMJ. Thanks for joining us again, Alberto. Hey, yo, my pleasure. Always good discussions here, so glad I can contribute, man. Yeah, so coming back off of our great discussions last time, I was hoping today that we could pick Berto's brains about mini cuts, because I think this is a really key concept for bodybuilders to pick up. And I think it's actually probably one of the most valuable things that I initially learned when I, you know, broke into the science-based bodybuilding sphere and really understood the utility of it. So yeah, I think we'll start off just by with a broad overview of mini cuts, sort of our overall aims and goals, and then so slowly working down into the nitty gritty details of it, which I think is going to have a lot of value for people in the audience. Yeah. Um, sure. Could we start Could we give Lane credit for the word mini cut? Cause I think sometimes people uh, forget that. Uh, so that was, that was his idea and the way he was, he presented the original idea of mini cuts. Like he, he doesn't do that anymore. But it was uh, one of, you know, I think the insulin sensitivity thing was just overhyped at that point, right? So he would do four weeks of gaining, two weeks of cutting. And that's just how he would uh, do his whole off-season thing. And the two-week period was kind of like his mini cut, so to speak. Um, and that's where it started from. And obviously, it's evolved since then. But that was that was laying like back in 2006, seven, I think. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's, it's really uh, interesting to look at sort of the evolution of the science-based, you know, bodybuilding approach and uh, all the techniques that have sort of come out of this as much as, you know, as much as we understand physiology, there's so much uh, um, still to be explored. So, yeah, I think, uh, Alberta, if we could start off with your overall thoughts on goals of a mini cut. Mm. Okay. Um, so man, I'm just giving credit away today, man. Um, it's supposed to be, what is it? Professional steel amateur amateurs borrow, but, uh, we're, we're just going to borrow things today and be upfront about it. I think, um, Jared feather, um, we did a podcast a while back on this exact topic. And he brought up a point that I thought was stellar and, and, and that, you know, you get to the point where you mini cut once you've arrived as an athlete or you can identify yourself as an athlete who puts much more worth into muscle gain as opposed to fat loss, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so you, you know, like that is your, because again, as a natural bodybuilder, that is probably the one thing that's most elusive. It's like muscular development. Like we get as lean as those enhanced guys, but on the you know, getting muscular side, like that should be where the majority of your time is spent and what like kind of keeps you up at night. So, mm-hmm. um, so that's who should be, that's who I think is a candidate for that. Cause what a mini cut is, is basically it's a very quick uh, fat loss phase that is just kind of bridging your gaining phase or keeping it from getting out of hand essentially. So it's like, you have your top in weight. You're like, once I reach this weight, it's like, let's clean up. And let's do that again. So the goal with a mini cut isn't necessarily to look fantastic. It's just a, uh, it's a way to extend uh, a gaining phase. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think that's a really intelligent point about how you, as as a as a natural bodybuilder, you quickly realize that uh, gains are very hard to come by. And I think I personally think that one of the you know biggest defining features of um, a natural bodybuilder is first of all, the, I mean, the obviously the focus of optimizing muscle growth, but beyond that is learning how to lose fat and retain your, or continue to build mm-hmm. muscle. Yeah. Um, and I think that that like is a very defining, you know, skill set that bodybuilders yeah. have that other athletes, you know, might not. So I think that, and especially for, I think probably the majority of the audience for a lot of people who um, may just be recreational bodybuilders, they may not necessarily be competing or for people who might be in the in in a long off season and might not be competing for a while mini cuts can are are probably going to be a very dominant feature in in programming mm-hmm. um so yeah as a another broad question uh how often do you like to mini cut and how do you decide when to um actually before i get into do you remember the first time you got your your, your you nailed your first fat loss phase Cause it took me personally a few tries to like, finally, like, it's like, yeah, I think I did it right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so you're right. And that it is a skill to be achieved. Cause uh, my first few cuts, uh, I would just lose all sorts of strength. Uh, and I would just bail out on them prematurely. Cause I'm like, Oh no way, this is not working. <laughs> you know? Um, so, so I guess me personally, before you get to the mini cut, like I think, you have to have had a few successful fat loss phases, uh, I think, along the way. And and then I think you're a candidate for the mini cut. W- would you agree with that one? Yeah, no, yeah, I think that's a good point. Because uh, initially, when, yeah, like, I remember the first time, like, officially <laughs> trying to lose fat, you know, like, after bulking for a couple of years, and like, just eating everything, I remember, like, post-workout, um, this was at the beginning before I like discovered whey protein and I was just like, okay, I would have two glasses of like 2% milk and I'd have like a few slices of toast with like a bunch of cheese on it. Um, and like just ate everything in sight. And then, um, I, at one point I was like, okay, I've put on way too much fat. Like this was early undergrad. And so like, I didn't know anything besides, you know, just going back to track and field training, like doing more cardio and like. I tried, tried cutting out carbs, like doing the keto thing. Um, and I think I just ended up kind of losing fat and muscle, you know, and, and then, uh, when you, when you finally learn how to lose fat properly, it's a, it's very empowering. And I think, but that's the thing about mini cuts is that they are fairly aggressive by nature and to execute them properly, it takes experience. And as you become more knowledgeable, you're able to like lose fat more aggressively and still retain your muscle yeah yeah because the first same thing as you man i I would go from like eating everything to like what are you doing veggies now like there's not a single carb in that fridge and um and and yeah almost right away i'm like man like no pump like literally i am losing so many like uh reps like uh like with every with every set um it was, it was terrible. And then, yeah, finally I nailed one and it was crazy. It was a more moderate approach. It was a bit more extended. And I think that's important because 
if you're going, if you're, if you're, it's like, I guess we see this with like the average person, right? Um, if you do kind of a crash, like accelerated diet, there isn't a whole lot of time for like education and learning, you know? Um, and a mini cut at that point, it's like, okay, I got my fundamentals out the way. Like I, I, I know, you know, what works for me. And, uh, and you kind of turn that dial just, you know, a little bit higher, not necessarily to like where we crash dieted, but it's kind of this like weird little in between. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and yeah, like you just, you just go for it. But, um, but yeah, I'd say once you've gotten to the point that you've had a few successful fat loss phases, like we talked about that with the contest prep last time where you have, have a few like, like times where, Hey, you get in like decent beach shape or something before you decide to go for the whole shebang. I think the same thing with this one, it's, it's like, Hey, have a few successful fat loss phases. Like if maybe early on you have to dedicate, I don't know, maybe, um, your fat loss phases as you're gaining there, I don't know, we'll say, uh, the 12, 14 weeks to start. It's like, cool. That's good. That's fine. Um, and then as time goes on, like you're going to see that it's just, it, it shrinks little by little. And, you know, maybe the next one, you got the same amount of work done in, in 10 weeks. Right. And then the one afterwards is like, wow, that was a seven weeker. Uh, and, and then maybe five years down the road, you're like, man, I take care of my business in four or five weeks and I'm ready to get right back to it. So, um, so like, it's like, where is that threshold for like, what is a mini cut? I, I think it's kind of hard to say, right? Like, wh wh where do you cross that line? But I think as time goes on, when like the, you know, like you said, the goal is to, you know, like put on a good chunk of muscle. This is your three-year plan. Uh, your fat loss phases, I think, should get smaller and smaller. So that there's more time reallocated to, you know, your, your growth. Yeah. And I think that just hits on another thing that people need to be aware of is that a lot of when you're, when you're planning out fat loss phases, part of it is the losing the fat, but the other point is the opportunity cost of the, the time that you're spending yeah. on this fat loss phase. And as you become, especially for natural bodybuilders, um, that bulking time is very precious. And if you, if you, if you're spending half your time bulking, half your time cutting, that's a lot of time that, you could be spending productively putting on muscle. Um, so yeah. Um, how, so yeah. Like how often would you like to, you will, you generally implement mini cuts? Mm. You know, I think um, kind of like the, so the fat loss phase, I guess, shrinks over time. Right. And then I'd say the gaining phase eventually kind of um, that gets, that gets bigger. Right. Just because, on the behavioral side of things, your habits, you know, just, just get better. Um, I think our, for a lot of us, uh, our, our first few gaining phases, it was one of those things where it's like, man, like I'm visibly a lot fatter four months later. Like, like, how did I get there? <laughs> yeah. um, right. And, and, you know, eventually it gets to the point where your gaining phases are, you can see the fat deposits, but more so from like, just pictures that you've taken along the way you're like oh yeah I used to have that cut when did that go away right so your gaining phases are, they might start off at four or five months and that's cool look that's fine you know um but I, I i think a minimum of six months i think that's plenty of time to like put together a few mesocycles where you know you you you, you know there's a good chance some stuff might have changed and with six months someone who's kind of like lower intermediate you can see some good changes but as time goes on it's going to be one of those things where it's like, hey, 
let's push it longer. Let's make it some, you know, up to a year if you can, you know, like I have a, a, a lot of more experienced guys on my roster that in, um, in a year, maybe we gain anywhere between like, you know, eight to like 14 pounds, like somewhere around there, like they're able to get it to that point. Um, so yeah, the longer you do this, the better you get at your gaining game. Um, the longer you're going to get to go without a mini cut, but I, I'd say it's somewhere between six to 12 months, I think is, is ideal because the fat loss, like we talked about the fat loss, um, uh, I guess, coping skills and just like, not like getting refreshed with those habits and all that. Like, it's something that, you know, you want to practice routinely as, as a bodybuilder, but not too routinely, obviously. So six to 12 months, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. And it's hard to talk about you know, frequency of mini cuts without delving into like length of bulking phases, which is essentially the same thing. Um, and I know that there are some, still some controversy about this in the science-based community where, you know, like on one hand, people will argue that um, as a, as a very experienced bodybuilder, you need to have that calorie surplus in order to gain muscle. Um, and you might need a more or like a relatively more assertive surplus. But on the other hand, the other argument is that an advanced bodybuilder is just putting on so little lean tissue that, mm-hmm. you know, over a year, I mean, we're talking about like a pound of, you know, solid tissue or even less in, in very advanced cases. Um, and the question is, you know, like if you're gaining a pound a week, how much of that is, you know, just extra fat. Once you, once you get beyond the requisite surplus where you're actually putting on muscle, like anything beyond that is probably just going to be fat anyways. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the cost of doing business, like over time, you kind of want to trim that thing, you know, and, uh, and only, you know, need to get as fat as, as, as you have to. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I, so I think I, um, yeah, like, I think I, lean somewhere more towards your end of the spectrum where I think as a very advanced bodybuilder you there are a couple things that happen like first of all you're going to be putting on so so little tissue anyways that Mm -hmm. you can probably you'll probably maximize your growth anyways with a with a smaller surplus and a longer bulking phase Um, and the other thing is I think advanced bodybuilders as you said they just have a better lock on their nutrition. You know, they can, they actually can precisely target a slow rate of growth. Whereas for beginners, if you told someone, yeah, like I want you to gain a pound a month, they wouldn't be able to do that necessarily. Like they would, they would end up either just maintaining or, or maybe just gaining like way too much. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. You say that. And that's exactly like my issue with when, you know, years back when I think I'd, I'd hand out inappropriate goals for uh, an athlete, depending on what level they were. And, um, and like, again, it's either they wouldn't make it budge because they had to gain that perfect amount. Right. Or, uh, or they just would go far and beyond because you know, life happens. And, uh, and then they'd be highly discouraged, you know? And um, so, so yeah, I think, I think, which kind of ties in level of development ties into level of experience. Usually like when you throw out those ranges, it, it has a lot to do with, with both, you know, like at this point, you know, we've done this long enough where it's just how we live, man. Like we don't, you know, like we, we, when we open up a restaurant menu, it's like, we probably decide based off like the size of the protein serving. 
<laughs> oh my goodness. So, um, so yeah, yeah, it's um, it's um, uh, again gaining phase as that gets refined, your fat loss phase gets refined, and then it becomes like a a legit legit mini cut. And I'd say mini cut honestly is probably um, something that just to, to really nail it, uh, you know, where, where you can get to the point that I don't know. We say we'll say you can lose roughly. Anywhere between, I will say, five to ten percent of your body weight, and you know, no more than say eight weeks, give or take. Like those are that when I think mini cut, it's like those are those are the guys that are mini cutting. You know, the other guys are just going on like fat loss phases. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then uh, what what would be your shorter end? Like, what's the minimum length of time you would cut for? We got some four week guys. Um, and actually, I, I, I went on a podcast recently, and I didn't want to say this. So I have one guy who is so on top of his stuff. Uh, maybe he's listening. Dirk out in Germany, he'd get a kick out of it. So he's doing uh, a protein <laughs> sparing modified diet wow. in between gaining phases. And he's to the point where it's like, it's like it doesn't bother him. It's like it's way more efficient. That's what he cares about. And we get right back on that gaining train. So literally, it's like uh, two weeks for him. Yeah, I was actually like, yeah, like, I don't know how much to to promote this to my the audience. But like, that's what I do personally, like, I actually go for like, really two week mini cuts. Um, and, and I will shoot for a very aggressive amount of fat loss. Well, like usually around two pounds or a little more per week. Um, for me, like, I mean, if I, I weigh like 160. So that's like, more than the sort of um, like 1% um, that I would generally recommend as your upper limit but like for me i can very precisely target that i can hit it i can say like i'm going to lose 2.0 pounds this week and lose that and then uh keep up my like my performance in the gym and hold on to my muscle and it works pretty well but yeah like i think that obviously i think experience will come into into play here so for people who you know might not be have everything together um, you might be a more risk for muscle loss as well. If you're, if you're trying to be too aggressive about things. Um, but yeah, I think that somewhere between, as you said, two to eight weeks is a great, great place. I think that for people who are just saying like, I'm going to lose fat for like a few days or a week, that probably isn't, uh, organized enough. And plus you'll just run into a lot of, uh, issues with tracking and all of that. Not only that, but a lot of trauma, I think, gaining phases, even when we've gotten fat and we've, it's like, oh man, stretch marks everywhere and back knee. And it's like, the trauma is very minimal, you know, it's, it's, it's <laughs> like, like oh, kind of messed up. But when it comes to fat loss phases, like so many people are carrying baggage from just like traumatic experiences there. So, you know, and a lot of it's because it's too much too soon. So, you know, with these more assertive bridging fat loss phases when you're gaining, I definitely would say, um, if you haven't gone yet, like Cancun open lean, uh, then this is probably, you know, not something you want to try, try just yet. And, and, you know, leave that to the more advanced guys, like two weeks, man, that's crazy. That's crazy. There's only a handful of guys in my roster that I trust with that. A lot of them convince me, but I'm like, hmm, you know, like we've yet to nail six. I don't know about two. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It definitely takes some, like a lot of trust in your own physiology, I guess, because for me, like I'm lucky because my body's very consistent so i can say like yeah i'm gonna 
hit this diet plan and I know exactly what's going to happen. And like, I know that I'm going to lose about two pounds of water. So I'm going to, you know, want to lo lose X amount of weight on top of that. But mm -hmm. yeah, there's definitely a lot of um, variation between athletes and for um, something like that isn't going to work for everyone. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, so yeah, like in general, I know you just threw out some really useful broad figures in terms of the amount of loss. What kind of rates of loss are we going for in terms of the minimum and maximum range for a mini cut? Oh, um, man, I'd say somewhere, I think if, as long as you're somewhere in the, like the, if you're losing somewhere around, man, closer to two than 1% of like your body weight on a weekly basis, I think we're doing a fantastic job, you know, and, and again, some people can close to double that, I think, and they're, they're okay. Um, obviously, you know, the more aggressive you are, probably the less carbs there's in your diet, just less total food volume. So that's going to impact the scale a lot. Um, but, uh, but yeah, somewhere like, uh, you know, two and just slightly above percent of your body weight, I'd say like, every week to 10 days is like you're you're doing pretty good um um i'd say man it's just it's so aggressive like it's so wrong uh because when it comes to fat loss phases like as a coach you spend a lot of time on the nurturing side of things but with these mini cuts again it's um it's 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 just definitely a big boy tool you know yeah wow yeah that's pretty aggressive actually um two percent um and then yeah in terms of uh just to zoom in a little bit more then so now that we've basically set our calorie deficit and overall calories then uh what will you like to do with your macros maybe mm. starting off with just protein yeah um so protein probably we can keep it the same maybe a little bit higher if you know, you, this person is just a little bit more predisposed to muscle loss based off their, their history, uh, or they're just the type of person that kind of struggles with their appetite just a wee bit. Um, and, uh, and then honestly, I'd say the rest within reason, I think when you're, especially when you're being pretty assertive with your calories, because I'm assuming for most folks, that's going to be somewhere we're starting right off the bat again, like your, your body's just primed for fat loss. Like, you know, the thyroid's bumping, everything's like, like, let's go, let's go, let's go. Um, and combine that with like a nine-ish to 10-ish calories per pound sort of intake. Um, you, yeah, things are, are, are going to, to fly off and it's gonna be assertive. It's gonna be a little ugly. So I think giving the athlete a little flexibility when it comes to their fat and carbs, I think is not a bad way to go about it simply because, you know, if, you know, they wanna have a bacon day, hey, they could have higher fat, lower carb on that day. It, it just, what it does, it changes like the, it makes a diet a little bit restricted, less restrictive when it comes to, to, to food choices. And that's simply because, I mean, for example, like most natural bodybuilders, they tend to gravitate towards the higher carb, lower fat. And you just know that when, you know, you're in the last stages of a prep or of an extended fat loss phase, um, 
there's just certain foods that are like off the tables. It's like, you know, oatmeal becomes a decision, right? Because mm -hmm. man, that's, that's almost, 10, that's almost 10 grams of fat if I have two servings, right? So I think if um, you give them more leeway with both of those, especially because it's so short term, um, I think that's probably the best way to, to go is just calories and then their protein. Um, and, and on top of that, we are, we haven't touched this uh, on this yet, but we are modifying um, um, training just a bit. So even if, if we're not necessarily fed in the most optimal way for bodybuilding training, it's okay because we, there should be some changes made on the training side of things too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I think that that makes sense. Um, in terms of, I think the fat and carbs, um, yeah, like there's a lot of arguments between, uh, bodybuilders talking about, you know, like that you really need to go maximum carbs. And I think that for a large extent, it, it does, uh, help to like prioritize carbs. And I think for a lot of people in general, fats are just easier to cut out just because they're very calorie dense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as you said, like having some flexibility, um, can be really helpful, especially if, uh, um, you know, people might have uh, slightly different calorie intake on different days and uh, on their non-training days, for example. Um, in terms of protein intake, I know that I've heard uh, Cliff Wilson talk about how he will actually drop protein when he like goes into prep or like a fat loss phase just because the athlete just doesn't have as many carbs, uh, like calories to play with um and sort of just dropping it to its minimum threshold which is kind of uh what i do as well what do you think of that and one thing i guess um with uh, cliff's approach is he also sometimes drives protein up on his athletes is you know they get bigger and calories just go up because you know I, th I think um, especially it's more of a like dude problem if, who's not totally sedentary it's like it gets to the point where it's like your calories get high enough where you're like I am making my protein intake on accident and like a meal before like the day is yeah. over, you know? Yeah. So, um, so I think it works for pra practicality. There's obviously, you know, um, especially in recent years, a little bit more research on, you know, like the benefits of just overfeeding with high protein. Um, so honestly, I think it, it's, it's, it, it makes sense because you, what Cliff does, uh, especially coming from that approach, but even if you're not necessarily, just something I thought I'd throw in, but it works because when you're, at, when you're at a higher body fat, it's like most natural bodybuilders, when we're done with a prep or a good long like fat loss phase, like we can usually pinpoint about where we lost that muscle, you know, yeah. and it's usually not at the beginning, you know, like, like it's usually somewhere in that tailwinds like, oh, I, I took this turn at that fork in the road and that's, that's where it all went sour. <laughs> Um, it's usually not in our high end, like, like yeah, like uh, the higher end of our like body fat athletic settling points. So, um, so yeah, it's like, hey, save some calories. Uh, and uh, yeah, and then also it's just, to, especially if the person isn't necessarily of, of the hangry variety, uh, it just gives them a break digestively as well, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, like I think, yeah, as you mentioned, a lot of um, it's important to also point out that protein is also a very like satiating uh, nutrient and that uh, for a lot of people like driving protein up 
will be helpful and uh, might also have some uh, muscle, you know, um, sparing effects from that uh, stance. Zooming out a little bit, do you do, do you like to change anything in terms of meal frequency or find that your athletes will trend towards anything? Um, man, um, I, I definitely would like the protein to kind of come in, 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 cause you know, it goes like people will like hoard food, but you know, usually <laughs> they've got their mini carbs now. Um, I'd say that's not, that's not as big of an issue, but, uh, often just like knocking out one meal is kind of helpful for most, um, you know, and it still has us for most people, as long as they were kind of being reasonable with their protein feedings during their gaining phase. Um, it's, uh, it's still, you know, within the confines of what we can, would consider, hey, this is, this, is, this is still like pretty good. Um, so yeah, I, I let people maybe take off a meal in terms of like meal frequency. Um, but other than that, you know, I'll even let some people do the intermittent fasting, you know, again, like it's maybe it's a four week job, a six week job, something like that. Um, so, and the training again has been modified to accommodate the caloric situation. Um, so, you know, yeah, if, if they're doing like two and a half meals, cause that's just what's best for them right now. Like um, I'm usually okay with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that that's often where sort of the hype about intermittent fasting comes into play where I think just naturally people will tend to take in fewer calories um, when they restrict the number of meals that they're feeding. So I think for some people, if that helps them, then, um, then, you know, by all means, like whatever allows you to be sustainable and consistent is the most important thing when it comes to nutrition. So I think um, uh, often, yeah, slicing off a meal, especially if you've been having a lot of meals, as a lot of bodybuilders do, like six times a day or more. It's going to be pretty easy to do that. I'm not a breakfast guy, so when I cut, that's that's literally where it goes. And uh, and then when I do a cut food to keep advancing, like it's usually from like you know one meal. So and again, this is just me. This is just what makes it easier for me uh, to cope with it. I'm still human at the end, even though you know gotten shredded a few times i've been doing this for a long time so a, a big thing is, is hey it's the bottom of eric helms's pyramid it's like what can you adhere to um or adhere to with the least amount of resistance i guess mm -hmm. yeah moving on to some more um yeah like spicy topics uh what do you do you ever do refeeds during mini cuts or any kind of calorie cycling mm -hmm. at all Well, um, it's, it's something that, that I, I think we should have there, but it's just like behind glass, you know, because um, hmm. uh, sometimes it's, it's like, hey, you know, we're just like, uh, uh, we haven't gone to the bathroom like, in four days or something. It's like, you know, maybe <laughs> yeah. getting something in there is going to help expedite that. You're gonna have less of this water retention in like your lower abdomen area. The scale is gonna, you know, finally move. Um, so I think, you know, I think it's 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 uh, it's good to have there. And not just like when it comes to, to that, it could be like, hey, I have this. We're going to Disneyland with the family. It's like I, I don't want to be a freaking zombie. Um, you know, it, it can just be there for numerous reasons. Like, hey, like 
student. Like I'm about to hit the books hard these next few days. I need my brain. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I think it's an option. But uh, again, if the athletes like mini cutting at this point, they kind of know that, hey, if we take that uh, 48 to 72 hour hiatus away from the deficit, well, we extend the mini cuts length, you know, by about that much, which isn't a whole lot. It's, you know, at the end, I think I'd much rather have just a smoother ride and knowing that I delayed my fat loss process by, I don't know, like a week and a half, like that's, that's not a whole lot. So uh, it's very optional. Some people don't need it, um, but some people like it's, it's almost a must. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense um, because yeah, especially when we're talking about mini cuts, you, first of all, like you aren't getting super, super lean. Like we're not going to contest <clears throat> lean levels. And also the length of the, the whole cut isn't as long. So refeeds um, become a very uh, sort of as needed um, yeah, tool to use, as you said, behind glass is a really good way to think about it. I think that for some people, they can still be a useful tool. And for others, it may, may just be extra time that could be uh, spent cutting. Um, and then in terms of training, what kind of modifications would you make? Yeah, um, man, I'd say we're definitely gonna bring it down to what would be like a maintenance um, amount of, of, uh, of volume slash work uh, and, and probably just keep it there. Um, and it kind of, if, if it fulfills a few roles, like, you know, it's gonna at least maintain your muscle, but then also at the same time, it's just gonna give your joints a bit of a break, you know, so, um, you know, we'll take this time to kind of refresh everything. Um, and, uh, and, and then on the other side, be ready for some like good progress of training. So, so yeah, definitely volume is probably the biggest thing we're going to pick on. Um, I think just people in general, they're, they are just like notorious for, I think, training too hard during a fat loss phase. Mm -hmm. Um, so obviously if we're going to be assertive with the diet it's probably i guess kind of depending on how assertive you you are with your diet that's going to reflect on your training but when it comes to training volume like you can get quite low even with advanced guys for short periods of time without necessarily uh yeah risking muscle loss so so yeah, it kind of depends on how how, uh, how much we're breaking the fat loss speed limit by yeah. yeah, no, yeah, that's a good point as well. And one other concept to bring up is that how like um, people people find that their maintenance volume um, is different depending on their calorie intake. And I guess when you're when everything is nice and in a surplus, the the maintenance level might be lower than when you're actually cutting. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. That's a that's a big thing to note. Um, but yeah, no, the numbers can be quite scary in regards to like, I think that freaks out people more than the caloric intake sometimes. They're like, really? That's that's it? And it's like, yeah, that's that's it. Especially, hey, you, it's like you chose to go this fast, man. Like, um, like for me, I th right, right now I'm kind of going through a cut. There's been a few interruptions and we talked about that before uh, we got on, on air. But um, yeah, um, I like my training enough to the point where it's like, okay, I don't want to go all the way there you know i'm not going to be at like 
the you know full on off season well fed sort of volume. So it you know I'm definitely on the conservative side, but it's uh, but it's not so low that you know that one thing I really look forward to, like every single day is is modified to the point where it's like not as enjoyable. You know, um, yeah. Yeah. Contest prep though, it's a lot easier to make those modifications. Like, like the bare minimum when I'm like depleted, like halfway dead, uh, I'll gladly take a 12 set workout, you know, but just not now. Yeah. And I remember my first contest prep, um, with my training, like I had, I was experimenting like with higher volumes that year. And I was really trying to test my, you know, like maximum recoverable volume, as people say, the like most amount of training that you can recover from. And I was like, well, if I want to get on stage in my best shape, I guess I should be pushing everything to the limit, you know, like full on, like maximum rate of fat loss, maximum, you know, training. So I'm going to like hit like upwards of 20 sets on every muscle group. And by the end of it, I think I had tendonitis in like every single muscle that I've ever had issues with it was a it was a wreck <laughs> and intuitively we kind of know that you know like if i were to cut some of this volume yeah there's a slow decay in performance but it'd probably be even slower i'd be able to keep up with that you know more but it's, it's just hard to sell yourself on that helms his first prep i think it was this epic shoulder workout he logged on the forums and you know, <laughs> after, after it was, was done forums. with it. <laughs> There's, there's so much good stuff still there. I, I checked yesterday, um, <laughs> but he, yeah, he was at that point in his prep, but like Adam, you know, he, he DM'd him on the forum and he was, he was like, he was like, dude, you know, that was like a, I think it was a 30 something set shoulder workout you just did. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and even then he was like, yeah, I, how do you get here? Right. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Fat loss horror stories, man. Those are, those are wonderful. <laughs> yeah, and I guess the other issue that people need to keep in mind is the the fatigue factor and how when you're like, you can conceptualize fatigue and sort of like more localized fatigue, but also systemic fatigue. And the systemic fatigue really takes into everything in, in your life situation. And yeah. when you're mitting cutting, you are taking a lot of fatigue just from from the stress of dieting and having that uh, reduced calorie intake and probably just the other, you know, stress hormones that are running around your system when you just don't have enough calories on board. So I think being mindful of fatigue and maybe just looking at your training and being careful about techniques that are very fatigue generating um, will, will be important. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I. I definitely agree. I think uh, um, it, it, that's a, probably a big place where you can cut out a lot of your volume. You know, it's probably those movements that you know. Um, yeah. Like it, it really beat you up. I pro I'm not front squat. I'm not squatting right now. And I'm probably it's something that I phase in and out. It's probably not something that I would include in a assertive fat loss phase had it been going. You know, um, for for that very reason because. I'd much rather just like sit back on on leg press and just try really hard, you know. Yeah. So what? Well, what kind of? Uh, how would you program people uh, with their major lifts and mini cuts? Um, man, I think it's it's going to kind of depend on on like are they put together for it? You know, like we all know that long arm dude, short torso. Uh, it's like 
could deadlift two, three times a week and they're fine, you know? Uh, whereas, you know, someone like me, long short, so short arms, I'm just not put together for that much. Like he's probably not put together for a press. So, uh, you know, movements will kind of wear everyone out a little differently, but uh, the stuff that really, really wears you out. And I think most lifters kind of know intuitively, um, you know, you might want to alter the amount of volume you're doing there. Maybe even switch it up to, uh, you know, modified version of that exact same movement pattern. So that way, when, you know, you're done with this, you can get back to it. And it's like, hey, all that stuff that was, uh, um, you know, probably at that point had some mile has been put off to the side and you come back fresh and, and ready to, to progress on that movement again. So, um, so yeah, for me, I think squat and deadlifts, uh, like if I am doing them, they're definitely something that I heavily modify uh, volume wise or cut out one or both. Um, that, that is something that I think in recent times I've been a little bit more, um, I see the benefit in just rotating movements a little bit more than, you know, than just sticking to the one that you're the sharpest with. Uh, and that's just mostly from a, I think an injury prevention rather than like the stimulus being novel. Yeah, that's an interesting point. And it's something I've thought about, but I haven't really heard many people talk about it is sort of, saving some of your exercise variation for these high stress times like for example in a mini cut or even sometimes later on in contest prep where i feel that like yeah your your favorite you know sharpest exercises say let's say you've been yeah like if you've been back squatting for the last eight months um you're you're a big point part of it is you'll just be able to move a lot of weight with that movement um, and thereby you'll also generate a lot of fatigue. So often switching movements, I find, um, obviously you're still going to be getting good stimulus if it's, um, if it's an exercise well-suited for you and you're programming it correctly, but usually you'll start off with much lower weight because part of it being the novelty and part of it, yeah, just like sparing your, your body, the, uh, that initial adaptation. Um, so sometimes I, yeah, I feel that it can be a way to um, manage your fatigue um, and still preserve a stimulus. Yeah, yeah. Now and again, it's so little how much we need. It's, it's so crazy. And, and we have to remember that muscle is just so metabolically expensive to build that it just makes no sense that your body put all this work into this contraption here. And because it's not being used the way it was being used for like the last few weeks, it's just gonna like topple it, you know? It's, it's, as long as there's some signaling going on, there's going to be like, okay, you know what, let's just, let's just hold off before we eat away at this thing. So, um, so yeah, like literally a third of what you do, like in the off season, like it's, especially if you are going pretty fast with your mini, it's not a bad place to start. Mm -hmm. um, and then will you find anything different with, in terms of setting up people's splits or the, in terms of frequency of training muscle groups? Yeah, yeah, I think um, we, we might see things like a, maybe they were doing like a push-pull variation where there's push and pulling days. Uh, it, it might switch over to something where it's like an, it's, it's a, say, upper-lower, and there's just only so much volume 
on each area of the upper body that we're scanning. And that's just because, um, <clears throat> shoot, like uh, maybe when you are gaining, like you can handle three, like, I guess, press type of variations, right? Your push day, maybe you have your main chest press, uh, then you have an overhead press, and then you have some machine press, right? But then now you're cutting, and by the time you're halfway through that second press, you're just like garbage, you know? So mm -hmm. uh, how well we tolerate like acute volume, I think also, you know, can possibly change a little bit, kind of depending on the person again, and how well you're put together for those movements, right? But, um, but, but yeah, we will see basically things being not going quite full body. Sometimes that's where we end up, especially with like um, such low volume. Sometimes for some people, that's, that's a nice way to just kind of keep things fresh. It's like, it's like, look, this is, I know we're doing much less volume, but this is like totally different. And we're just here to maintain anyways. We're just here to remind the muscles to, to stick around a little bit longer. Um, so, um, so yeah, um, we will switch splits just a little bit. Um, usually just doing, I guess, in short, um, a little bit more of everything on a given day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think that can be, yeah, like thinking about it in terms of um, just like what allows you to to manage everything and, and uh, distribute fatigue, especially when um, you're just probably not going to be in a position to be smashing those uh, form busting 30 set workouts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Imagine a, a bro leg day on like mini cut numbers. <laughs> it's like, right. Right. Um, yeah. So it's, uh, it, which again, it kind of gives way the argument for like, if this works that well, when it comes to managing fatigue, the whole full body thing, should you maybe not consider it when, you are, you know, when recovery is at the highest, right? Which is like when you're gaining, but um, not a whole lot of people enjoy those as much as um, they should. I know I'm one of those. And I think it just might be a cultural thing and like how we're brought up as bodybuilders originally, you know? <laughs> yeah. Our cultural upbringing. Um, yeah. yeah, like, yeah. And I, I liked how you brought up earlier how <clears throat> it can still be, very productive if you switch out a squat for a leg press and like remembering that the important thing here is that you're still putting that intention and quality of effort um and as, as long as you're getting to that sufficient you know repetitions in reserve proximity to failure you're still going to be getting good hypertrophy stimulus and um that like muscle isn't that hard to lose yeah yeah exactly exactly um yeah, if it were only that way, when you're in single di digit uh, body fat levels, like that's that's a different story. That is where, you know, like um, that is the code to crack for like the the competitive bodybuilder or the drug free competitive bodybuilder. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, and then moving on to some other things that people experience with their fat loss phases. Um, what can people should people or can people expect in terms of things like disruptions in their sleep or mood? Um, is that like normal? Is it how acceptable? How much is should they accept? And um, yeah, I think a lot of the stuff that um, you don't have full control over. Um, so like libido, sleep, um, 
uh, things like that. It, it's like you, you definitely, you don't want those markers to change too much. You know, like usually when I am mini cutting, it's yeah, like my day wears me out a little bit more, but it wears me out so that like, I'm like, man, I'm a go to sleep an hour early today, you know? Um, yeah. You know, so yeah, the stuff that you don't have control over, that sort of stuff, you you kind of want to see relatively the same. There will be other things that change. It's like, hey, look, remember hunger? You're going to feel that. Um, and that, that's kind of up to the person. You know, you, your, your fuse might be a little bit shorter, um, you know, things like that. Um, but, uh, but when it comes to just, yeah, the the other other markers, the stuff that, you know, the the, the things that are true signs of uh, of uh, just your body trying to adapt to the situation, you're probably going too hard uh, for you personally. If, if again, it's, if it's like sleep, libido, your body temp is like like you're cold, like you're you know like you're in the middle of a contest prep again, then we're probably going a bit too hard. Um, so. Um, so yeah, yeah. But other things, there's some differences. Like when I started this cut, um, I was like, oh wow, like paying attention to food commercials again. Like it's been forever, you know. <laughs> so, so things yeah. do change pretty quickly, and and uh, like yeah, you feel hungry. It's the stuff like that. That's that's all in the limits of normal, I think. Yeah. No. Yeah. I think that's a really good guideline. I think that if people are running into those really severe health side effects um like which are probably indicating horm hormonal disruption that it's probably signaled to uh, reconsider your uh, approach and how aggressively you are you're going after things or maybe how lean you are um mm -hmm. yeah uh, like yeah. the in a, a mini cut it's really not your goal to be getting into shredded levels because that just isn't really going to be conducive to bulking over time um what's uh your current uh cut setup um shoot so i just wing it for the most part <laughs> um i try to have um a serving of fruit serving of vegetables with every meal um I, I, honest people gonna freak out when they hear this but I, i'll go like sometimes like 10 12 straight meals with they're just whey protein shakes you know nice yeah I just, like, i'm still at that place where it's like i want to cook stuff or anything like that like literally like it's it's uh it's very efficient it's like throw some kale in the air fryer grab an apple you know my protein shake and uh you know a similar pattern um four to five times a day and like that's that's basically it and we have done refeeds but they've been um uh, they have a lot more to do with uh at, at this point like the social atmosphere um you know like hey like uh this sunday i'm having uh breakfast with a friend so it's like okay well we'll plan a refeed you know sunday and then probably carry on that over to monday just to get the full benefits um but um but yeah no it's been it's been pretty chill but i would say it's a little it's been a little bit slower than maybe what i've done in the past yeah um the yeah the refeed point is a really good one i think i'm personally a big fan of refeeds and i know that like there are pros and cons and um they don't always work for everyone but i think one of the the biggest benefits is just the social flexibility and like just allowing 
that flexibility into your schedule. And especially if you're able to plan for it ahead of time, it doesn't have to be a big, you know, derailment off your diet or necessarily slow you down that much. But just having that ability to, yeah, like, I mean, if you have a 48 hour refeed in your week and you place it on Friday, Saturday, <clears throat> that, that really like gives you, preserves your social life almost completely. And like the way I ran it, my contest uh, prep last yeah no like it's it's like sometimes they're not even fully structured the refeeds to me sometimes like a refeed just like a mental one or for it's like for the other people where it's like oh today i'm just not gonna be able to be as precise and that's my refeed like literally it's not even measured it's just the fact that i have no idea what we're having at this like uh brazilian uh uh all you can eat like meat place you know so uh so you could be so flexible with this, and that that's that's how an off-season um, fat loss phase I, I think should be. Uh, not like the contest prep thing you were you were about to bring up. That's that's a different story, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, having the yeah, so, and then so what's your sort of your plan currently? Like, how much are you trying to lose over what length? Um, man, I, I think. Man, there's a little vanity behind this one, to be honest. Because um, performance has been like incredibly good. Like my presses, uh, I think, are getting to the point where they're almost better than they were when I was at my heaviest. Mm -hmm. um, so, shoot. Um, yeah, I, th I think I'd like a full set of abs, you know, uh, maybe an ab vein. Um, and maybe one way in under uh, one, <laughs> I think I think that'll budget me the amount of time that I want on the gaining side, going back the other way. Mm -hmm. uh, what was your starting weight? Uh, slight, a bit over two hundred, a bit over two hundred, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. a bit yeah. over two hundred, and I'm I was one eighty six today. So cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, we know that uh, if we see Berto under one eighty, it's going to be. Uh, a sight to see <laughs> yeah yeah it's been a while man um oh and then the other reason also is just like wardrobe stuff man you know how that goes <laughs> oh no it's, like, it's the worst yeah 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 it's like i refuse to, to to you know i guess add a um a third level when it comes to pants you know it's like it's bad <laughs> enough that we have two you know yeah there's some like i think my plain white dress shirt i'm pretty sure i have a small medium and large yeah. <laughs> and like it's crazy yeah. from like just yeah. over time and yeah like I, I was just shopping for coats like a couple months ago and i was just like this terrible conundrum when you like you're trying something on it's like okay what phase am i in right now i'm yeah. like relatively lean like i'm in between shows like how much weight am i going to gain you know over the next couple of years and it's just like i need to be able to, am i going to be able to wear this you know six months from now <laughs> yeah man i think i'd be a little bit more of a fashionista if it wasn't for bodybuilding just because like i'll see like these dudes with, with their clothes it's just like it fits so well and you're just like, <laughs> yeah. no belt <laughs> i could do that for about eight weeks every year and then i'm, I'm out of that zone you know so <laughs> yeah couldn't uh, <laughs> blame blame my wardrobe fit on the bodybuilding it's it's a struggle it's a struggle man um yeah just keeping mindful of the time and winding down here 
um, maybe we can talk about a, a fun story of the day for what's uh what's uh your worst cut story like like your worst cut overall okay and what happened um man uh shoot i i'd say you know a lot of it goes back to probably like my my first prep i think the ones before they were just too short-lived uh, and honestly like there's this, I've, I've talked about it many times, this like long bulking phase I did where I got, you know, incredibly heavy and how that end itself, there was some discipline there, but there was also, I think a big part of a huge contributor there was the fact that I just, I wasn't very well in fat loss. So it's just like, you know what, we'll, we'll take care of that at some point. But that first prep was the first one that I actually, like I said, really committed. And actually, no, the, the year before I had a fat loss phase was really good when I got myself unfat. And it's crazy because that one was very, is a very inclusive diet. It was very middle of the road, it got great results. But then all of a sudden you put the contest prep deadline there and like you just start doing all sorts of just like stupid things. Um, so yeah, that one was, was just, remember, I still remember the, 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 the staring at relish and like just wanting to eat a whole jar of relish. Like, like you know, this green, the light was like shining into the relish and I'm like, man because it was a low carb diet i don't have no idea how i ended up there but uh but i was like oh you know aggressive fat loss we must cut the carbs but i was so like in my mind just visualizing from like third person perspective like opening the jar and just like just like chugging it like right then and there um but um but i guess yeah the punchline to the story more than anything was just the fact that i gave myself a bunch of food allergies after that one man um, simply because I was eating like the same six foods and uh, I, as much as like I just wanted to like just eat my brains out after the prep I couldn't because like like sorry, I was limited to some fruits whey and rice milk like afterwards because any other carb source would just like stick there forever so uh, so yeah no it's funny man it's like I guess now people pay me to look over their fat loss phases, but I look back and I'm like, man, we've, we've, we've all been very lost at some point. Um, and uh, it's, it's crazy. Like uh, it's nice to appreciate like where you're at now versus where you started. Um, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. And then I guess going further back to even more ignorant Bert, I remember picking really bad movies while going out on dates for the sake of that fitting my meal time schedule, you know? <laughs> so it's like, we get there and it's like, That's like hilarious. Meal if we watch that one. <laughs> no, we're just gonna go with this, this horrible movie that, that fits with the, t with the feeding time. Yeah. Yeah. That's hilarious. That's great. <laughs> but I tell you what, man, you look back at all those things you did and you're like, man, like it takes a certain amount of drive to like be that consumed by something. And it was a boot camp. There was some wasted motion, but it's like you learn what you're willing to do and what you can do when you really want something, you know? Um, Cause man, for a few years, I just lived in ways that like people would be like, how, how are you, how, how are you keeping up with this? And how is this making you happy? But it, it absolutely did. You know, because in my mind, I was getting closer to, you know, what I wanted by practicing such rituals. Yeah, no, I think that's, yeah, like, that's a huge, uh, 
I guess, defining feature of us as bodybuilders. And you look back on the stuff that you've done to get lean or whatever, or whatever you needed. And especially when you're at the handicap of minimal knowledge, <laughs> that's, that's, that's when the true determination shows through, you know, <laughs> it's something that like with these kids now, there's so much good information that they start off. Right. I'm like, man, sometimes I worry. I'm like, you're missing out on that. Boot <laughs> Like, you're missing so out on that good. dumb suffering <laughs> right right yeah the you know the crucible of uh of uh fat loss willy-nilly <laughs> yeah yeah. yeah so yeah i remember going through uh one of my first cuts and like having this meal plan that like i had to you know eat the exact exact right number of ounces of sweet potato and i had to like have it all prepped and like being in med school and trying to balance it all and like rushing home to throw my chicken breast in the oven so that I couldn't, so that I could have chicken breast that night because I was out <laughs> and it had to be that. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, again, it impresses you in a way, right? It makes you laugh, but it's like, damn, like what I'm willing to do, you know, what I have in me in regards to the, the, the fight and the dog, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, and then you look on, you know, other things, other <clears throat> suffering in life, you know, like when people complain about their working or whatever situations and it's like, yeah, like, I mean, I've been, I've been through like a lot more and, yeah. you know, it's definitely possible to do it if you, uh, if you have the will. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's just, it's just, it's gotta be what you want. I'll tell you that much. Like there's just other things that in other sports are presented to me that just didn't matter to me as much so it's like yeah you just really got to live your life for you man you know and and uh and then pursue the things that you want to do you know and i think if you do that like i think most people have a much harder worker in them than than they might even suspect mm -hmm. and we're just going to leave the audience off on those inspiring words where can people find you Berto? uh 3dmusclejourney.com uh pretty active on instagram Nunez 3dmj um also hey the youtube game's been pretty good too and that youtube channel's team 3dmj so between the podcast uh jeff alberts and myself posting there's there's some pretty good stuff there of late as well mm -hmm. awesome so with that i'll wrap things up here and i think we had a really useful structured discussion about mini cuts that i think is going to be helpful for a lot of bodybuilders of a lot of different uh, experience levels out there. So thanks again for being on the show. I appreciate it, man. Anytime. That's all for now, guys. Thanks for listening. I am available on a very limited basis for one-on-one -on -one coaching. I'm not cheap, but if you are really serious about taking your physique to the next level, DM me the word coaching on Instagram. For more science-based bodybuilding content, look up Dr. Swole on YouTube, and we'll see you next time.